The Swain Event Podcast is driven by Beatty Chevrolet. For your new and pre-owned vehicle shopping needs, visit BeattyChevrolet.com. It's time for the Swain Event. And the middle's got his man, and he's gone. Jason Swain, touchdown. It's time for the Swain Event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whoop them. It's time for the Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Get into his house and a red flag. Benjamin McKee, uh, sir. And Curtis Swain. How you living, man? How you living? How you doing? How you living? It's good to see you. Good to hear from you. I'm doing great because Don't Connect plays basketball tonight. That is true. He's pretty good, ain't he? <laughs> he, he he's kind of good. Kind of good. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good. I wonder if he can play football. Help this weekend. You, you, you know how fans like to think, oh, this football player, he could go help the basketball team. This basketball player could go help the football team. Man, that quarterback, he, he sure sure would look good on the mound. Man, that, that athlete over there on the baseball diamond, can, can he play football in the fall? Maybe yeah. Dalton Connect can. Uh, the problem is he, he kind of looks like a tight end, and I don't no. think Tennessee necessarily needs tight end help right now. But, hey, if, if he could – Catch the football, maybe put him out wide, put him on the perimeter. Since he needs some depth out there. Uh I I I think we could use all the help we can get right now. I know who they could really use after Tobey Awaka. Put put him on, on the defensive line or put him on the offensive line. I promise you Tobey can move somebody around. No, let's let's let Tobey enjoy winning um on this on this Tennessee basketball team. Uh, let's 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 enjoy the basketball guys um, this year. And they are not shying away from the expectations at all. And they and they shouldn't at all. And they deserve to be um, I think highlighted and hyped up right now. They deserve every bit of it, man. This team is good. This team is is deep. Uh, this team has a chance to do something, something special, my man. Uh, hey, we we can go straight to basketball if you want to. <laughs> no, I I wish because of how the weekend transpired, but uh, no, 
you know why I'm here. I know why you're here. I know why the good people are here. It, it was not a good weekend at all for Tennessee football. And have you recovered from your trip to Como on, on Saturday? Yeah, I think I recovered yesterday. Um, but it was it was it was rough, my man. It was it was rough. It was not what I was ex- expected at all. Um, I, I'm still a little shocked by what I, I witnessed. Um, I can't believe what I witnessed. It, it's it's really difficult to to talk about putting the words. Honestly, uh, I'm pretty pretty disappointed, pretty annoyed, pretty irritated, frustrated by by what we saw. Um, uh, I'm shocked. I'm shocked, honestly, Bill. To I mean, Bill, but uh, being to be honest, man, I'm shocked. Um. Sunday, I was, I was numb, and then I said, "Well, let me go ahead and watch this film." And so I, I watched the film, and I was pretty numb on on Saturday, honestly. Like, I I sat there on the bench for about ten minutes after the game, like Alabama, and uh, I got up and. Got a chance to meet a gentleman that supports this show and served our great country. It was Veterans Day. My daughter's birthday was on Veterans Day. Um, And so I was just thinking about what's bigger than football at that that moment. Because, like, at that moment, I was was really disappointed in what what I got a chance to witness. But – I tried to put football to the side and think about what was what was bigger and what was more important. And in that that case, with us playing on Veterans Day, I thought about Veterans Day. But when I got back home and decided to watch the film, then I got disgusted. Then I got bothered and and, and upset. And um, not upset to the point where like saying a bunch of emotional stuff that you don't mean. Like I I don't know about you or the folks listening, but I'm to the point where like, if, if I don't mean it, like I'm not saying it, I'm not just going to spew a bunch of stuff on a post game show or get on social media and just spew a bunch of stuff that I wind up deleting or like, I just, I'm not doing all that. And so I watched the film and in a lot of ways it was worse than what I've witnessed in person in a lot of ways. And, um, it's going to hurt me to say this, but that game looked like play from the German Pruitt era. It really did. Um, offensively, not on the same page, out of sync, out of rhythm, lack of sense of urgency. Um, Defensively, I mean, I remember asking myself, I thought Jeremy Pruitt was a defensive coordinator. I thought he was a defensive coach. I thought he was defensive-minded. Why the hell do we got guys out of position? How did that guy get so wide open? It felt like a game from the Jeremy Pruitt era. It really did. Um, Seven points. Did not expect that. 
Ben, there's been some talk about comparing this loss to other losses since 2021. Obviously, the first year was the difficult in this staff's first first year. But they did more with less. Did more with less last year. But there were still some tough losses. Losses that really made you leave scratching your head. There was two losses last year. One, hey, man, it's number one team in the country. I know we were ranked number one, but Georgia was the number one team in the country. They were the best team in the country uh, when we played them. And we didn't play well at all and, and got beat pretty good there in the second half. I thought the score did not represent how that game actually went. Um, and then South Carolina happened, which was a absolute terrible performance, uh, defensively for sure. Offensively, I mean, it wasn't what we were used to last season, damn near being unstoppable, but offense was able to move the football and have, have some success. Um, and many people will point to that being the worst loss, but Ben, after some deep thought, Saturday was the worst loss. Saturday was the worst loss. And um, if you disagree, I would be more than happy to share with you why I feel that way. More than happy. Uh, I mean, I, I I do disagree, but it's not something that I feel strongly about. I know I'm supposed to be, supposed to be to, to feel strongly about disagreements on, on radio and, and podcasts, but I, I M- Missouri's not Missouri's a really good football team. I don't think this year's Tennessee team is, is as good as last year's Tennessee team. Uh, and I mean, there may have been dysfunction that we don't know about in the locker room uh, on, on Saturday. I, I have not heard anything to suggest that you can correct me if, if you have heard something differently, and the only reason I make that point is because there was most people know that there was dysfunction in Tennessee's locker room going into last year's South Carolina game. So for for those three reasons or so, I I feel like last year's loss was was worse. Um, but it's not something that like I, I don't I don't think anybody who thinks last year's or this year's loss is worse than last year's. I, I don't think anybody's crazy. For, for thinking that, I, I can absolutely see why somebody would think that. I, I just think uh, a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. La- last year, the loss hurt more because of what you had to um, lose. No no doubt about it. Um, you know, the, the stuff that we heard about in the locker room, all that stuff, I mean, that's not, honestly, it's not the biggest deal. Uh, for me, but the but the loss itself, to me, was 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 worse this year, and I'll share with you why I feel this way. And this is and this is why, if you are responsible for the product on the football field, it, it's time to have some uncomfortable conversations. 
and some self-reflection and a sense of urgency to, to fix what we saw on Saturday because we're talking about taking the next step and competing for championships and chasing championships. That's that's not going to do it. That's not going to cut it at all. There's been a lot of really good things um, in the last two and a half years, a little bit more than two and a half years. There has been, I think, a timetable put on Tennessee football getting getting back that I feel like has been cut in half because of the job that we have done, setting the culture, um, development, getting more out of our players than the previous staff was able to get and doing more or less. So um, I want that to be understood before I go go further. But this is why I've been, this past weekend's loss was worse than I think any other loss in the last two years dating back to 2021. Ben, entering the game, Tennessee was number one in the rushing. Number one in the SEC and a top 10 team in the country. In the country. Tennessee's run defense was only giving up less than 100 yards per game. And also one of the best teams in the conference and one of the best teams in America. Missouri, who is, from a personnel standpoint, not that much better than you. Mizzou, from a coaching staff standpoint, not that better than you. Entering this football game, a lot of people feel like this game was even. These two teams were even, which is why the line was essentially a pick em. Ben, Tennessee scored seven points. Seven points, 83 yards rushing, 83. Missouri rushed for 255. So on both sides of the football, Mizzou said, we're going to take what you do well, and we're going to beat you with your own game. And not just beat you, but beat you down in your own game. That's what we're going to do. And in the midst of that, you're going to have nine penalties for 95 yards, which is essentially giving a team a touchdown. We're going to force you to turn the ball over, and we're going to score 17 points. And you're not going to score any points off of our turnovers. Yeah, we're going to make a mistake, but you ain't going to do anything about it. And all the aggressiveness that we've seen from our offense over the last couple of years on fourth down, you saw none of it. Zero fourth down attempts. So, I've never seen this offense only put up seven points. I've never seen um, us look the way we looked offensively. That's why I think this was the worst loss. Because what happened in year number one, that's understandable because it's year number one. We get it. Um South Carolina happened, and at that, at that time, that was the worst loss. But to me, without suggest or for, without pointing to what we actually lost and losing the game, like in between the white lines and from the start of the game to the to the end of the game, those sixty minutes, 
this loss was worse than the South Carolina loss because Missouri beat you down. And then Eli Drinkwood said, we kicked their ass. That's what he said. He didn't say, yeah. oh, we beat them. He said, we kicked their ass. And we couldn't, we can't say anything about it because that's what he did. No, you, you can't say anything about it. And like Eli Drinkwood should be really proud of, of his coaching staff and, and the players. That, that was a really big win for them. Very impressive. But it was also a little weird. Like, buddy, you beat Tennessee for the first time. And and you've had sixty hung on you the past two years, and you haven't beaten Tennessee. Not only have haven't you beaten Tennessee up until this year, like you you got your rear ends kicked really really bad, and and so like I, I don't, I'm not saying that he shouldn't be as happy as he is. Is it, to me, it was just a little weird for a coach who has not had a lot of ton of success against Tennessee. I, I he was talking a whole lot. It's just weird to me talking that much and I know the schedule is different moving forward but most likely you're going to see this team again in the future and it's not like you've dominated them year in and, and year out like you, you're doing a whole lot of talking over over one win a very impressive win no doubt about that very impressive win but like you don't see my point is like you don't see coaches go that far in terms of their reaction following a, a big win. And I, I wonder if, if if that comes back around because, like, yes, last year, Tennessee right up a score on Missouri. There, there's no doubt about that. And there was a reason that Josh Heupel ran up the score on Missouri because Eli Drinkwitz likes to run his mouth behind the scenes privately. Mm -hmm. But you didn't see Josh Heupel acting the way that Eli Drinkwitz acted. Like, I, I feel like there's a proper way to rub it in like I thought Eli Drinkwitz calling a timeout there I thought that was a great way to to, to rub salt in the wound of, of beating you down but then then you added a whole lot of extra sauce that you typically don't see from coaches usually coaches leave it on the field when they're pouring it on within the 60 minutes like Josh Heupel has done and then after the game he's kind of ho-hum and, and doesn't feed into that narrative Eli Drinkwitz went all in on that narrative and, and I thought it was a little weird for a guy who who was just now beating Tennessee, and you're probably at some point going to have to face Josh Heupel in Tennessee again. But I mean that that's water under the bridge. It's it's not a huge storyline. Just because you brought it up, I, I did think it was it was weird how much Eli Drinkwitz was going in over at the end of the day one win against a team that you have really struggled against throughout your career at Missouri. I'm glad you made that point because it makes the loss even that much worse to me when you have beaten a team as bad as Tennessee has beaten Missouri in the last two years, you've outscored Missouri 128 to 48 in the last two years. 128 to 48. Ben, if I see you walking down the street on the way to the complex and I run up, and slap you upside your head as hard as I can. You fall, I run off, and you're laying there. What's going to be your reaction next time you see me? I'm going to smack the mess at you. Exactly. So I should be expecting that, right? Like, I should be expecting yes. the next time I see Ben, Ben's going to want to put his hands on me because <laughs> I just slapped the dog out of Ben. Bow! 
What did five fingers say to the face? Slap! What did you expect? Saturday. What did you expect, Tennessee? What did we expect? We have embarrassed him the last two years. We embarrassed him. So we should have been on guard and expect them to come out with a chip on their shoulder. And there's a couple of different ways you can rub it in. Josh Heupel elected to rub it in in a, in a passive-aggressive way. This is, this is what Josh Heupel did. He said, all right, yeah, I got, I got a problem with you, so I'm going to rub it in in a passive-aggressive way. I'm just going to throw the ball when we up a bunch of points and put 60-something on you. Eli chose to handle it in an aggressive way. He wasn't passive about it. He let it be known that he appreciated the last two years. And I don't blame him. I wouldn't appreciate it either. My point is, we we was acting like we wasn't expecting Missouri to come out and play the way they play and have a chip on their shoulder. And I just I don't get it. Like I don't I don't understand that at all. That's what bothers me and frustrates me. Now I'm not going to be sitting here and getting personal criticizing folks. Like I, that's that's just not how I, how I roll. But like that was unacceptable. That was embarrassing. That 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 can't happen here. That's not okay here. I don't know who who thought that was okay, but that's that's not what we do here. We're we're trying to move past that. That was what was going on in the German Pruitt era, where where guys were out of position and not knowing where to go and and not playing with fire and and, and just getting ran off the field. That's that is unfamiliar in the last couple of years. That's not what we're trying to do here. No. And, and you know, I, I I do think the game was a, a little bit closer than the final score indicates. Like Tennessee had a chance going into the fourth quarter, but it was disappointing that once you got into the fourth quarter, that's kind of when, when Tennessee laid down. It, it felt like once uh, Joe and I guess it was a Jalen Wright that bumped into to Joe on the exchange and, and the fumble. Um, that, no, that, that was the, it was the pitch. It was the, uh, it was the pitch was too hard on the, on the option. No, the, the other fumble. Oh, that was Dylan Sampson. Yes. Dylan but, Sampson. It, it felt like once that happened, like that fumble happened, it felt like Tennessee tuck tail at, at that point, because I, I didn't think the, the defense had really played well throughout the game. But boy, were they testing the theory of bend but don't break. They were they were bending, 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 and 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 somehow they they didn't quite break. The, the dam never quite broke, although it felt like it was it felt like it was breaking, and you were just kind of waiting on that knockout punch from Missouri uh, because they were just moving the ball at will. But the defense continued to give the offense opportunities. To, to claw back into the football game. Again, going to the, the fourth quarter, Tennessee still had a chance. It, it, it didn't look great, but technically speaking, they, they they were within striking distance if if they could put a scoring drive together and they were moving the ball once again and then Sampson and Milton have the miscommunication or whatever you want to call it on, yeah. on the fumble. Yeah, as Milton was throwing the ball, as Milton was throwing the, uh, throwing the ball, um, the ball was hit out of Milton's hands. Yes. Um, and Milton it felt like at it. that moment, they, that's when everybody went into a, 
a shell. And, and that that was disappointing. That that when, when the going really got tough, they 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 went into hiding in the fourth quarter when it mattered most. I I thought that was the most disappointing part. I'm gonna go to the phones because um, we've we've had someone waiting patiently. So I'm gonna go to the phones and we gotta take our first break. Uh, good morning. Hey, good morning, Swain. This is uh, Caleb, man. What's up, Caleb? How you doing, man? Thanks for calling. Man, I, I feel like I feel like you, to be honest, this morning, man. I mean, to me, this is the most disappointing that loss that I that I think we've had um, in in the last couple of years. And and you know, and I'm not calling for nobody's heads by any means. I appreciate Josh Heifel, but man, we look terrible top to bottom. And I think the most frustrating thing is, is that you couldn't just point to one thing on why we got beat like that. Because let's, Missouri is not world beaters, man. But two guys took the quarterback with his legs, even even when we had them in their goal line, just taking off running, getting it like it's no problem. We're blitzing when we probably shouldn't be. We did better, really, when we just used our front four and we're kind of playing shell. It looked a little bit better. The running back was just absolutely – we made him look like a Heisman Trophy candidate, and he, he's not. Like, I mean, I, I'm not trying to take away from it, but it's like this wasn't like this was a team that was supposed to block us like that. And then, you know, the thing with Drinkwitz, I mean, like, yeah, I, look, he deserves to do it. That's fine. You know, he's, he's got beat the way that he has. He deserves to do it. I think it's petty. But then again, I don't really put him as a class act individual. But, man, the, the thing that's frustrating is, like, Swain, we looked horrendous, man. Horrible from top to bottom. Like, it wasn't just – you can't – people can't call in and be like, oh, it's, it's Joe. It wasn't just Joe. That offensive line, some of – I mean, the, penal, the, penal, the penalties that we have every game and, and, and that defense, too, man, like, we – I don't. I've never seen them look like that. Like they've been good all year. I've been high on Tim Banks all year long. I do think that the refs they never call when Tyler Barron's getting choke slammed basically every play, <laughs> and they never call a hoe. <laughs> I mean, it, it never ha- like dude. He is literally Undertaker and people, and they can't get by anybody, and they never call it like Swain. It, I'm with you, man. Like I think that this was the most devastating because. It looked like a Pruitt team. It looked like a Dooley team. And I'm not calling for Hoppel's job. I, I I know he's the guy. But I'm just saying we have to have some kind – somebody has to have some accountability for that pathetic performance that we called a football game Saturday. I mean, am I wrong in saying that? I mean, it was terrible, brother. Terrible. No, you're not wrong. I mean, and, and like we got to be – we got to be grown-ups here. We have to – be able to um, speak with an open mind and be level-headed here and understand that two things can be true. Josh Heupel has done a really mm-hmm. good job during his time at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. But Saturday was unacceptable. It was bad. And it can't happen. It can't happen again. Saturday was Pruitt-like with the performance on mm-hmm. on the football field. Like, it's what it was. And and so it doesn't mean that you got to call people out of their name. It doesn't mean you got to, no. you know, call people to get fired. But I will say this, that performance, performances like that is what get people fired. It, yeah, and it, it if does. it happened more than once, 
if it happened more than once, yeah. Like, I like Heifel, man. I do. And, I and I like things. Not, I like the coaching staff. I'm not. But at the same time, just like you said, I couldn't have said it better. You can be, we can be grown up about it. That criticism has to, some of it's going to go on the whole coaching staff. But I, but also, Swain, they didn't look like they wanted to fight, brother. The players didn't look like they wanted to fight. That was the part, like, we talked about the fourth quarter, how it could have been. They quit in the third. It's like as soon as the second half started, I don't know what happened, man. They didn't come back out. Like, I, I, it, there was no fight. There was no dog. And you have said this before, I think a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we're, you know, hopefully the guys that we're recruiting, you know, because we just don't have – we really just don't have some of the dogs. We really just don't. Like, we – that dog mentality, that, that – we don't have it. And I'm not saying that everybody doesn't. I'm just saying that there's a position pieces that are key parts where we need to have some of that dog. And we just don't, man. And, and, and getting, I mean, getting embarrassed by Missouri, that's just, I mean, that's, that's everybody's claim, you know. And, and how do you bounce back? Because, Swing, you, you've been in the locker room, man. You, you've done it. Hmm. What can they do to bounce back against Georgia? Because you got probably what should be the number one team in the nation this week. So I'm going to hang up and listen to what some of your keys are with it. But, I mean, from your experience, what can they do, man, just to try to turn this around? I know you got to flush it, but we got to address it too. You know what I mean? Yeah, for and, sure. Uh, man. Y'all have a good day, man. Hey, Appreciate thank it. You. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't think players quit. I think it looks like that when you don't see the fire burning white hot. I think there's a difference. Quit is when you see guys not running hard, laughing on the sideline. Like, while the, the the team is losing, like quit like that that calling someone soft and accusing someone of quitting, I think are very very serious. I think you have to be one hundred percent sure to use that type of language, and I'm not going to use that language. I didn't see that. What I saw was a team that didn't have the white fire. It wasn't hot. Was it burning hot? Like we saw in the past. And that's and, different than, than quitting yeah. or playing with no effort. Well, here's, but, but here's why it appears that way for some people. We have struggled with being able to respond after getting punched in the mouth. We have conducted ourselves and I don't, I want to say this, I hate to say it, but like front runners. When you play at home, it's easier. Crowd's behind you. You score first. It's a little bit easier. And on the on, on the road, the crowd's against you. It's harder. It's not comfortable. And we've scored first. The first touchdown against Florida. First touchdown against against Missouri. But as soon as they responded, we was unable to respond. We was unable to take a punch and punch back. And you can blame coaches all you want to and point the finger in one area if you want to. You don't lose the way you lost on Saturday and it just be one area. Um, I remember when Jimbo Fisher was asked, you can make fun of Jimbo Fisher because he got fired 
But at the end of the day, Jimbo Fisher won a national championship and won a lot of games in Florida State and fizzled off. Don't get me wrong, but he's been a part of winning organizations. He was part of saving staff at LSU. He knows what it's supposed to look like. Now, he has obviously lost the ability to create a team that's supposed to go out there and win a championship, but he knows what it looks like. But I remember he was asked, Ben, and maybe you remember this, maybe it was on a uh, teleconference on a, on a Wednesday, the a game, but they was bringing up his road record. And they asked him, what does it take to win on the road? He said, well, you got to have leadership. And it's 100% right. It's why Casey Clawson was able to win on the road. Dude's a leader. And people were willing to run through a brick wall for him. That's what it's about. And you can, like, pretend you a leader. You can be crowned a leader because of your age and because of your position. And you can try to play that role all you want to. But, like, leadership is kind of like shaving. Like, eventually it's going to show if, you, if you're doing it or not. And it may not show at home games when things are great. But the moment adversity hits, I think leadership shows up or doesn't show up for a football team. And I remember when Tennessee lost to Georgia State and BYU. I remember sitting right here saying, dude, we want no leadership, man. And then all of a sudden, you, you start having guys step up and raise their hand and say, okay, I, I, I want to be a leader now. And that team improved because, because God stepped up, uh, holding each other accountable. And that team improved. And we can point the finger at all these different things about what happened on Saturday and why team this team is unable to perform the way they need to on the road, but it really comes down to leadership at the end of the day. And um, This year's team doesn't have that it factor that last year's team had. And I think that has resulted in them being an average team this year. Uh, I, I was hyping them up as being a good football team coming out of uh, the Kentucky and, and UConn wins, but uh, I don't know about you, Swain, but my, my big picture, 30,000-foot perspective on, on Sunday, just kind of thinking about the game throughout the day, was that th- this is an average football team, and they, they, they have uh, deficiencies, they, they, they lack personnel. I, I don't think that they, they don't have any leadership at all. I just don't think it, it, it's the, the type of leadership that is needed to overcome some of the situations that they've been put in this year, like Florida, like Alabama, like Missouri. Um, but my 30,000-foot perspective was, was that this is an average football team. They, they, haven't, they don't have one signature win this season, unfortunately. Uh, South Carolina's terrible. A&M just fired its coach. Kentucky's very overrated for the Mark Stoops era. Uh, Virginia's terrible. Vanderbilt's going to be terrible. Uh, and I'm not at all saying that to take away from winning in those football games because you still did what you needed to do to stay ahead of some of these teams in the SEC and, and win those games. And winning eight, nine games, that that's still, that's still a nice season. It's a solid season. 
no shame in that. Um, but no doubt disappointing because of how the season has played out and, and how they've gotten to that point. A lot, a lot to discuss. We'll hit the Betty Chevrolet text box when we come back from our first time out. Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. I'm Jason Swain. Keep it locked in right here on the Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Be right back. Hey, Knoxville, we all know the importance of mental health. Most people don't have regular mental health care. They often wait. Let's change that. Isn't it time we all consider our mental health as important as our physical health? If you are ready, Mind Body Wellness in Knoxville can help you design a plan for your mental wellness. We are accessible, affordable, and available. You are worth it. Visit mindbodyknoxville.com to schedule a mental wellness assessment today. It is so good to be here with Charlie Pratt with Modern Woodman and MWA Financial Services. And Charlie, you have a passion for helping and working with East Tennesseans. Why is that? Man, I was born and raised here in Knoxville. Uh, my family's owned a business here since the 1920s. I played football at Central High School and Maryville College. I'm just really proud to work in East Tennessee. What are you the most proud of? We do a really good job of meeting people where they're at on their financial journey. I've got clients uh, that are just now starting out. I've got clients that are in the middle of saving and doing a great job job and I've got clients who have worked really hard their whole lives and it's time for them to enjoy their retirement. It's my job to make sure their money lasts as long as they do in retirement and they're able to leave a legacy for their family. So with that being said, what are the next steps? Let's sit down and take a look at your financial plan. Give me a call 865-919-6468. Registered representative and investment advisor representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodman of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over. Guys, let me talk to you here. If you've noticed a lack of energy, motivation, and drive, it could be Low T. Schedule your complete health assessment at Low T Center. They now offer the convenience of monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments for just $155 a month cash pay or covered by most health insurance. If you don't live near Low T Center or you just want the convenience of an at-home treatment, Low T Center makes it easy shipping your treatments directly to you with the peace of mind of monitored treatment. Go to LowTCenter.com to book your appointment online. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. I know missing the show live is a bummer, but don't fret. You can catch up on the podcast posted daily on the app, online, and on iTunes. Awesome! Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dan Barbecue. Man, I was kind of crying like that on Saturday. I'm not going to run. Ben McKee. Jason Swain, Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. I think this team is a, above average, but I'm not going. I'm not going. I don't have the energy to, to to argue with you. Just like you don't have the energy to argue with me about why I think this was the worst loss uh, in three years for Tennessee. Um, I mean Tennessee is seven and three. Uh, it's hard to be average and still be 73 in the SEC, but 
this was an opportunity to get a signature win against a ranked opponent, and we let that's kind of my slip. whole point. Yeah, we, you let one slip. You had an opportunity to get a, a signature win, which would have been your biggest win of the season, uh, because you're right, AM and South Carolina, um, Kentucky just not, I mean, good win, but not a ranked win like we saw this team be able to go out and get week in, week out, which is why they were ranked number one in the first college football playoff because it was really undeniable. Uh, this year it's been different. And injuries, I thought last year we got lucky. I thought we was really lucky last year, Ben, and, and, and you have to be lucky. Part of it is being lucky. And we were unlucky um, with Henry Hooker, but outside of that, Tennessee was lucky. This year, Brew McCoy, you get Dante Thornton, making his biggest play of his Tennessee career, he gets hurt on it. And man, what a catch. It was a not only was it a great catch, but imagine what was going on in in, in his mind to be hurt in that very moment, but understanding how important was it for him to hold on to the ball. In that moment, he held on to that ball. The pain that he was in, to not even be able to put weight on it, like from the moment he hurt himself to every step to the tent and the tent to the locker room, he didn't put any weight on that leg at all. But in the moment, he held on to that football. That should tell you a lot about Dante Thornton and how important it was for him to make a play for his team. That's how I look at it. That's how I see it. So, this is tough, man. Yeah, and I I do want to say this, and I know some people, maybe a lot of people, won't like hearing this, and that's fine, and I apologize for upsetting you in advance, but there's no shame in losing to that particular Missouri team. Like I I think people, and and what I mean by that is I think people see the logo on the side of the helmet and and think that, Oh, it's Missouri. They're they're not that good. No, that is a really, really good Missouri football team. That, that is a top 10, top 15 football team in the entire country. That, that losing to that particular Missouri team is not like losing under the Jeremy Pruitt era to the Barry Odom coached Missouri football teams. Disappointing, frustrating, all those things are true, but that is a real deal football team. People like to look at the, the logos on the side of the helmets with Vanderbilt, Kentucky, South Carolina, Missouri, and 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 think that Tennessee should should always win those games. And I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that thought process, but it's not like that was some of the bad Missouri football teams that Tennessee has played in recent years. That is a legitimate football team. Just talking on the surface, just simply saying like losing to, to that team. Like there's no shame in that. Like we've seen with some of the Vanderbilt teams that Tennessee has lost to, or, or Kentucky teams that Tennessee has lost to, or even some, some previous Missouri teams, obviously how you lost to them is very frustrating and maddening. I'm I'm not trying to discredit that. I, I hope 
I hope the point that I'm trying to make is is getting across the way that I want it to. That 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 that's a legitimate Missouri football team and one of the better teams that Tennessee has played this season. Yes, yeah, it's, it's 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 how you lost. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's how you no lost. no doubt about that. That's but that that Missouri team, like it, it is, it's legit. They they're better than Tennessee. I mean, they are, and I, I'm not at all saying that to to use it as an excuse for Tennessee losing. It's not a, an excuse at all. E- even if Missouri is better than you, in my opinion, like that, that still doesn't make the loss. Okay. Especially with how you lost it. But Brady cook is the real deal. Cody Schrader's the real deal. The receivers are the real deal. Uh, and I think the surprising part Swain is I knew that Missouri was solid in the trenches and, and maybe Tennessee made them look better than, than what they are. But I think when you also watch how Missouri held up in the trenches against Georgia the week prior, I I think they are very underrated in the trenches, and um, that that's that's where Tennessee needs to to get to. Quite frankly, we've talked about it here on the show multiple times throughout the course of this season. Uh, the 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 line of scrimmage for Tennessee on both sides of the football has not been consistent this season. They've flashed. They've also had really poor moments. Whereas Missouri they have gotten consistent play from its line of scrimmage throughout the season. And that's allowed all those weapons on both sides of the ball. Um, because I, I spoke about the offensive weapons at Missouri secondary. They, they have future NFL players and Chris Abrams drain and, and, and some others, their, their backers are, are really good. And, and they got banged up against Tennessee, but uh, the, the line of scrimmage has been consistent for them this season and has allowed all those skill position players to be successful. Tennessee's trenches have not been consistent on either side of the football, which has made life tough on Tennessee skill position players. I'm not saying that it's all their fault, but one of the issues that has popped up throughout the season for Tennessee. All right, let's get to the phones. 865-255-03. Then we will get to the Betty Chevrolet text box. Uh, good morning. Hey, good morning. This is Mike and Conyers. How you guys doing? What's up, Mike? How you doing, man? Good to hear from you. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, I uh, I, I agree somewhat, Ben, with your analysis, um, but I I, do, I I tend to disagree that we're just first of all going back to the average team. I I, I agree. I'm in more in line with uh, with Swain that I, I think we're a better than average team. You know, we we have a better than average record. I, I also, yeah, when we play the way we played Saturday. Missouri is obviously the better team, but I, I also don't necessarily agree though, that um, we're not good in the trenches. I mean, I don't think you have, you rank where you rank in your run defense and your rushing offense. If you're not good in the trenches, um, well, I said they're inconsistent. Think, yeah, they're inconsistent, but I mean, you're right. You didn't say they're not good, but even then you have to have some, some amount of consistency just to, put up the numbers you put up for the season this this far into the season um but uh, you know I, I, okay i'll i'll agree with you to some extent that they, there's, there's certainly been times when they've been inconsistent that's for sure um but overall i think they've been pretty pretty good really um i i think what i really agree with mostly is what what swain said a little while ago about just leadership and uh you, you mentioned mental toughness um a few weeks ago and I, I think kind of that's where I come down with this team right now it's just that lack of mental toughness I mean all of us who watched Al Wilson back in the day I mean you Swain I'm sure you remember him bouncing around on the sidelines getting in players faces I mean that's what we need and that's what we just don't seem to have right now and I'm just you know wondering if that's the 
the main issue. That's kind of the way I, I feel about it now. Um, we'll see. But I, you know, I, I remember after when, when Lane Kiffin was, was in Knoxville and we beat Georgia and after the game, he said, you know, we'll never lose to a Georgia team as long as I'm here. And I think the reason he, he might be a little arrogant. It was certainly a bold statement, but I think the reason he said that was because he could see that the Mark Rick teams were just kind of soft and they were, you know, and everybody knows that, you know, I talked to Georgia people down here and, you know, they all agree that Rick's teams were soft. And I, and I hope that's not what we've got going on now. I don't think we're soft, but I, I think we have these lapses where we're soft and we just lack leadership to that. That's, I think that's my main takeaway from what I saw on Saturday. Anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to hang up guys. I love the show. Um, have a good one. Hey, thank you, Mike. Man, you can, you can, um, I don't know if you notice this, Ben, but you can, like, you can hear the pain in Mike's voice trying not to admit things that he saw with his own two eyes on, on Saturday. And he seen with his own two eyes here and there uh, this year. I mean, this, this, night, this is not fun. It's not a situation where you're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, this is going to be good for content. This is going to be good for the show. Utter chaos. Oh, this is going to be great. Let's get on the rant about how this guy needs to be fired. Let's get on the rant about how this guy needs to be replaced. This is great for radio. Nah, man, this ain't that type of party. At all. Um, like you can you can you can hear that pain in, in Mike's voice. And um I totally understand because it, it a lot of it just doesn't make sense, but when you don't have the proper leadership and you don't have, you haven't exhibited the mental toughness needed to consistently be able to play on the road. It's really frustrating. It really is. And that's the next step for this program. It's the next step for our, for our, our staff. Um, it is to be able to pull whatever we need to pull and play at a certain level on the road. I don't know what it is. I don't I don't know exactly what it is. I think it's leadership. I think it's mental toughness from my point of view. But it's time to do some self-reflection. It's time to be open-minded and be okay with some criticism. If you if you feel like it's going to help you, you can't get to the point where and this is this is this is a historic issue for this university of uh, Tennessee. Okay. Tennessee ain't the only program that's done this. I'm about to lay it out for you. When you see something that's not right, you don't ignore it and be like, oh yeah, we Tennessee. It'll be, it, it, it'll be all right. Because eventually it becomes a bigger problem. And then it, it, it becomes a monster you can't control. We've seen it happen at other programs, other big-time programs. You have to nip this now and address it now. You just have to. And evolution is a part of a program's success. Clemson knocked on the door, knocked on the door, knocked on the door. Folks made fun of them, called them, uh, said they were Clemsoning because they got close and just couldn't break through. 
they made some adjustment. They evolved in some way to allow them to be able to break through. And Dabo gets made fun of for what he says and how goofy he is and that some of it's, it's fair and some of it's, you know, not. But one thing I will say about Clemson is during those times of, of getting close and not breaking through, dude evolved. The people around Dabo, and I know Woody McCorry because he was my position coach. Woody going to tell you how he feels. He going to tell you the truth. He may not like it, but he going to tell you. Somewhere, to, somewhere along the line, Woody was like, hey, man, this, this, is, this is what I'm saying. And somewhere along the line, Dabo adjusted, evolved. And that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to. We can't assume that we're going to keep doing the same things. Like, we've come a long way from 21. But you can't sit here and go, yeah, well, let's just keep doing what we're doing. Well, if you do that, you're going to keep getting what you're going to be getting, which is road embarrassing losses. So we got to adjust. We have to evolve. We have to. We have to make some slight adjustments. Is that personnel? Is that uh, coaching style? Is that how we travel? I have no clue. I don't have those answers. I'm not the head coach, nor do I get paid to be one. I'm not an administrator, administrator, nor I get paid to be one. It ain't my job to try to figure out. But that's what has to happen. I do think to add to, to what you said earlier in terms of potential reasons, I do think personnel, better personnel, would would, would help the issue. Hell yeah, uh, at, at, as well. Um, <laughs> and, and I I say that to to point out that this roster, to a certain extent, is still under construction. Yes. Um, just because of 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 how deep of a hole Tennessee was in when Josh Heupel uh, took over. It, it's in a a much much better place, um, but the, there are still areas that that need to continue to improve uh and i i feel like they are working to improve and that i i know people don't want to continue to wait especially since tennessee is already in year three under josh heupel but uh, i i do think it's a reason not an excuse uh that that personnel is still an issue just because of how big of a mess it was that that they that they took over and the transfer portal uh, can only help you so much to to a certain extent. Uh, you you saw Dion this year go out and get everybody in the transfer portal. It seemed and it worked for a couple of weeks, and and now they're staring, uh, what four and eight in the face, not going to a bowl game. Uh, so as as beneficial as the portal can be, you can't just solely rely on the portal as well. You have to have a solid foundation like you and I have talked about at times, Swain, and then fill in here and there through the portal with the portal, take advantage of it, of it in that sense. And uh, they, they, they need to continue to, to, to work on this roster because there were some obvious areas on Saturday where part of it is younger guys just needing to get more experience under their belt and, and develop more. And, and when when they're upperclassmen, they're, they're probably going to be key players for Tennessee. Uh, so gaining more experience, but but there's also some areas that you can see where Tennessee just needs to add more talent and more depth at this spot or that spot. Yeah, just don't be adding talent. Add talent. You gotta you gotta have some 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 personality matches. You need some personality fits. This team needs some rough around the edges type of dude that's going to hold other players accountable. 
if they ain't gonna hold them accountable verbally, they are more than willing to hold their other players accountable physically. Ain't nothing wrong with having friends. It's cool to have friends on the team, but when it comes about that work and about that business, there's a standard. If you don't reach that standard, either you're going to respond by me telling you to, to reach that standard or I'm going to punch you in your face. Like, that's that's the way it it was. And that's the way it is on certain teams that have strong leadership. And I know it's easy and really convenient to bring up guys like Al Wilson because he's like the poster child for leadership, right? Um, there's not going to be another Al Wilson. But there's a there's hundreds of guys that play in Tennessee that have been really good leaders. Really good leaders. And guys that have held other dudes accountable. You don't have to be the biggest, strongest, meanest dude to hold other people accountable. But it's the it's the the threat. Hey man, if you don't do this, if you don't play this certain way, if you don't play at this certain level, I'm going to put my hands on you. <laughs> it's the threat that gets guys in line. And we need more of them dudes. Now, we don't need guys getting in trouble off the football field and, and you know, in the streets. But we need more of those guys. Because if you have some more of those guys, Florida doesn't happen the way it happened. Missouri doesn't happen the way it happened. All right, let's go back to the phones. We'll, give it, uh, we'll get to the text box. Good morning. Swain, what's up, brother? What's Jay? up? What's up, Jay? Buddy, I tell you what, man. Uh, I listened to you yesterday, and I listen. I've been listening to you today, man. I haven't heard you this frustrated in a while. You watch the game on Saturday, Jay? I sure did, buddy. Okay, I sure did. I so sure you understand did, why? I understand. Okay. I do. I do, man. I. It, it just wasn't no excuse for that, Swain. I mean, you, you can't have Memphis and MTSU give Missouri a better game. Than the University of Tennessee, mm. you can't have Vanderbilt give Missouri a better game than the University of Tennessee. That that that's crazy. Hey, I, I say this though, Jay. Those teams you mentioned didn't outscore mm-hmm. Missouri in the last two years, one hundred and twenty-eight to forty-eight. So Missouri wasn't trying to get revenge against those teams mm-hmm. like they did against Tennessee. But I get mm-hmm. your point. Like I, I totally oh, yeah. get your point. Mm-hmm. But they were they were ready for Tennessee, and, and it's like, we and wasn't. It, and it's like, no, go ahead. Swan, no, go I was ahead. Saying, they was ready for us, and it was like we we didn't expect it. Like if exactly. I, I gave the example earlier in the show, like if I go mm-hmm. and slap Ben out of nowhere unexpectedly, and and I just run away. The next time Ben sees me, like he's gonna put hands on me. Like mm-hmm. if I'm not expecting it, that's my fault. What do you think mm-hmm. Missouri was gonna do when they came out mm-hmm. and played? You beat them 128 to 48 in the last two meetings. You threw a touchdown pass. Late yeah. last year's yeah. game. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that. I remember, I remember uh, Neuheisel commenting on that when Joe Milton threw that bomb when we were up about like 50 points. Exactly. In the fourth quarter. I mean, what did you think? They they were coming for your throat. Bro. It was coming. Like, yes. <laughs> uh, and they looked shocked. It's like they almost looked shocked that it was happening. Yeah, like they just—I I don't know. It, it was just weird. It was just—it was all just. It, it outside of our punter, it was an all systems failure. Jackson Ross looked good, don't he? 
Man, he is. That kid. God, I guess we're going to keep being punter you because that kid's getting drafted. Stop it, Jay. Stop. <laughs> that kid's getting drafted. Now, Swain, uh, you know, look, man, I'll, I'll just say this. I'll get off here. Uh, you know, uh, Ben was talking about, um, you know, we still need to build the roster, and that, and that's true. I mean, it, 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 there's still – but not, I'm not, nothing is excused on Saturday. There is no excuse for Saturday whatsoever. <laughs> but um, just looking at this season as a whole, um, you know, I guess I just – I had high hopes, just as most fans do. You come in with this optimism, and I had high hopes for Joe Milton, high hopes for DeAndre Thornton and, and all these guys. But the reality is, you know, when you just – sit back and really look at it. And you look at losing Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, pretty much Brew McCoy, uh, Darnell Wright. We, we were just, you know, we were going to have some struggles and it, that was just bound to happen this year. And unfortunately it has, but you know, there's things that need to be addressed that I could talk for 30 minutes that I'm not going to do. Uh, but you know, I, I think you keep improving the roster. You keep, getting better depth in here. I think if you can get better quarterback play, if Nico is what he's supposed to be, then, you know, hopefully things can, can start to get on the uptick, but that, that was just frustrating. Swain. That, that it's, it's just, it's been a frustrating season. That's all I'll say, man. I'll get off here. Hey, thank you, Jay. Thank you. All right. Betty Chevrolet text box, betychevrolet.com. Uh, Bruce in South Carolina spoke about uh, Jay Graham and Aaron Hayden speaking some truth on their podcast. I suggest people go um, and, and listen to what those two guys have to say. I'm I'm never going to tell folks not to go listen to something, even though it may compete air quotes here with what we have going on. Uh, I look at those guys as, as big brothers. Um, Jay obviously coached at, at the highest level, played at a high level. Aaron Hayden has a very unique perspective with having multiple sons play at, at a high level. He played at a high level and professionally. And I mean, I talked to him. I listened to what they had to say. They right. Yeah, they, they're right. And um, hope, hopefully no one gets mad at the truth. You can, you can get mad at the truth if you want to. It doesn't help you. But the truth is the truth. You, you can't go out there and play the way we play, 36-7, and then be like, oh, it's, everything good. It's all good. That's just a blip on the radar. No. South Carolina last year maybe was a blip on the radar. But Florida happened. And Mizzou happened. That's 10 quarters this year. Four against Florida, two in the second half versus Alabama, and then four against Missouri, where you're like, what? What 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 was that? Can it be fixed? Yeah. It can be fixed. All right, let's go back to the f- phones. Yeah, let's go back to the phones. Good morning. Good morning, Jay Swizzle. Good morning, Ben Jammin. Uh, Big Orange Mac. What's up? 
Jay, I, I love you, but I'm going to have to disagree with you on something. So what, what you got? Uh, I, man, I've seen piss poor effort Saturday. I've seen them lay down easy, like you tell a dog to go lay down. I mean, that 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 was sorry. And what, I, 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 where'd you see it? Uh, <clears throat> and uh, uh, right, right when we come out the gate, you know, win a three and out. And then all of a sudden, I mean, they just let that little five-foot-four walk on. I mean, he just did what he wanted to. And it was like people just jogging to, you know, go get, quit, what are you doing? But, 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 Matt, but, Matt, quitting? Like, how you quit coming out? Like, playing slow, not playing with the fire, not playing with his urgency, not playing fast? Okay, I get that. But quitting? How you quit at the beginning of the game, Big Orange Mac? As of what I seen, my my eyes. Okay. It looked. I mean, just to me, in my personal opinion, they they quit on me. Okay. I mean, I I, I, I we can't have it, especially losing the rugrat like that. That little smug. And he ought to know the reason why that hype hung sixty points on him. Uh. Uh, hung sixty points on him. What you want? Get in. Uh, he ought to know why I hype hung 60 points on him. He was talking that junk the year before. But I, I it, 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 we can't have that. I'm sorry. Uh, we, we can't have it, Jay. Uh, it, something's got to be done. I'm with you. I'm with you. But, but here, here's my thing, too, Mac. If you hung all those points on them the year before, you gotta expect them to come out and want to get revenge. It'd be one oh, yeah. thing if you just play these dudes in a bowl that. game and you never see them again, then you you hang all the points you want to on them because you you don't have to see them. But if you play a team year in year out, you have to understand you're gonna play it next year. Big Orange Mac, remember a couple of years ago when it was when Georgia and Florida was playing and Georgia scored a touchdown early in that game and the whole bench went on the field in the end zone, start dancing. Remember that? Yeah, I remember. You remember, I remember that? And I remember. Mark Rick told the players, like, you, if you score a touchdown, the offense is on the field, y'all can celebrate. He didn't tell the whole team can get on the field and celebrate it. But what they did was piss Urban Meyer off in Florida. And the next year, Florida beat the dog out of Georgia. And they used that as a reason that motivated them. My, I'm saying is if you beat a team 128 to 48 in the last two meetings, and you playing them in the third meeting, you gotta expect that they're gonna come out and want to repay the favor. You have to expect it. That's all I'm saying. No, I get that. I get that. It's just oh, I can't. I, I can't stand that. I can't stand Rugrats. <laughs> and, and I, I just think our pro our, our programs are on two different levels. I know we've been down for a while, but like I feel you know in the upper echelon of college football, Tennessee's up here. And Missouri down here, you know, that's just how I feel about it. Feel we you. shouldn't lose to them like that. I feel you. But somebody's got to step up and be a dog. Somebody's got to, like like old boy, the, the coach said, somebody be a dog. Mm. Somebody's got to be a dog. Somebody's got to grow some cojones, step up and say, hey, come out, you know, uh, <clears throat> come out the locker room. It looked like Al Wilson told uh told them in the 1997 SEC championship game, 
If you don't bring your ass out this locker room, stay in here. If you can't do what you stay in the locker room. Don't come out. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's what we need, and somebody needs to step up and do it, and they ain't doing it. Uh, I love Coach Hype. I love what he's done so far. He's sometimes to me he's too laid back. I need him to start peeling paint. <laughs> I need him to start waking dead folks when he talks. I love him. Uh, he he he's far exceeded my expectations so far. But I'm gonna need him to get a little fire in his coach for me. Say to get a little fire in his belly. Yep. Yeah. All right, y'all. Thanks. I'm gonna have to get off here. Much love. Love y'all. Have a great day and go big on. Much love. Much love. Um, Ben, I'll say this, though, about Big Orange Mac point about fire in the belly. And um, you got to be real strategic and careful about how you get on the dudes today. This is the unfortunate part about the changes in college football that has given players more power is – some guys you can't coach hard because they leave. I think that's what happened with Jimbo. I think that's what's happening with Dabo. I think there's coaches who are struggling at adapting to players having more power. And how you coach, how you supposed to coach when you're walking on eggshells? When you don't feel comfortable really ripping a dude knowing that you have to, to get the best out of him because he doesn't know what that, that player has. And I got to pull it out of him. I got to pull out of him being forceful. I got to be verbally forceful to pull out of him because he won't respond any other way, but you're hesitant to do that because player might shut down on you. It may transfer. So yeah, like, I, w- I would like to see it hype. Rip some butt and pull and peel some paint. But like I think that's something you gotta think about too. But how do we know he's not doing that behind the scenes when the camera's not on him? Um I think if you we don't know, number one, but we don't see any of the reactions on the sideline when bad plays are, are being made. Like we Usually you see coaches addressing guys right then at the moment, not waiting to get behind closed doors when a player fails to make a play. Uh, But we don't know. We don't. We don't. We can assume, people can assume by the play on the football field against Missouri and Florida that that it's not being done because there is that, you don't see that fire in the belly in a away game. So people can assume that, it's not happening, but you don't hundred percent know. It's just like yesterday. Everybody was mad. I asked him about Elijah Herring and how he would assess his play and what Elijah needs to do to be better moving forward. And he's, he said that his eyes were in the wrong spots and he, he missed tackles and people didn't like that answer when True. that, that was as truthful as an answer as, as, as you can get through through the media. Yeah. Why do you think Elijah Herring missed tackles and was out of position on Saturday? It wasn't because of a lack of effort. I, I like I, it, it. It grinds my gears. It, it's my biggest pet peeve in sports that because a, a team loses and 
uh, a player doesn't win his assignment or win his rep on a play, it's he's not playing with effort. He's not playing hard enough. No, he he just he he didn't do what he was supposed to. Not because he's not trying. Elijah Herring plays with a lot of fire. He 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 is as emotional as anybody on the field. If if you watch carefully and and watch in between plays, he he's constantly kind of showing emotion. And because he missed the tackle or isn't where he was supposed to be, it's it's not because he's not playing with effort. It's because his mind is tied up into a pretzel and tied up in the knots, and that's slowing him down. He is second-guessing what he has seen or not seeing it correctly pre-snap and then post-snap when the ball is snapped and, and the play starts to, to go. He, he's not diagnosing it correctly, and that's why he's not in the right spot, which is why Heupel, Brian Jean-Marie, Tim Banks, coaches always say the eyes are not in the right spots. Just because Butch said it in a corny way doesn't mean that it is a Butchism or a coaching cliche. That's the truth. Elijah is struggling to diagnose what is going on, and that's what Josh Heupel means when he says his eyes are in the wrong spots and not where they need to be. And, and people on social media are, are just like no ish that that's what the issue was. What do you want Josh Heupel to say? Do you want him to come out publicly and just rip Elijah Herring for five minutes and, and, and just crucify him publicly to, to everybody? Heupel is acknowledging what everybody is thinking when he says he missed tackles and his eyes were in the wrong spots. He, he's telling you what Elijah is not doing and he's doing it in the manner that a head coach should publicly through the media. It's the overreaction is it can be a bit much at at times. Like you're overreacting to things that don't need to be overreacted to. Spot on, one thousand percent agree. Well said. Eight six five two hundred fifty five oh three. Be right back. You're listening to the Swain event. And you know this, man. Here in Knoxville, we love it when a squirrel's in the checkerboards. But when there's a squirrel in our attic, that's all sides. When that happens, call Alpha Wildlife. They're Knoxville's veteran-owned and operated wildlife removal company. When unwanted critters put their feet up on your coffee table, call 865-224-6555. Let the Tennessee fans at Alpha Wildlife evict those unwanted tenants and set your home up with a winning defense to keep that wildlife where it belongs. That's Alpha Wildlife at 865-224-6555. They have locations in Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, and in parts of South Carolina. Check them out online at alphawildlife.com. What's up, fellas? It's Swain. When it comes to health, there are numbers every man needs to know, including your testosterone number. I recommend going to Low T Center. They make it quick and easy to get your levels checked, and it's only $25. You walk in, take a simple blood test, and with their on-site lab, you'll know your results in 25 minutes. Low testosterone levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, can cause lack of motivation and drive. It can raise your cholesterol, cause weight gain, and loss of muscle mass. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment. Low T Center, reinventing men healthcare. Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over. Hey there, Swain event crew. 
Just like fall sports, the Knoxville area real estate market is strong and growing stronger. We're in everything region. When you get the big orange itch to buy, sell, or invest, call me, Jennifer Morris, with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. Go Vols! Looking for a different way to enjoy the show? Yes! Then check out Swain Event TV on YouTube. Ben's point about Elijah Heron was spot on. Um, he plays. He plays with fire. That Alabama game played with too much. It then knocked the dude's head off after the play. He's playing with too much fire. Uh, one thing that really bothered me on Saturday is when plays were made at the line of scrimmage behind the backfield. It wasn't enough, enough celebration. It wasn't enough butt slapping, head head tapping. I understand when you're playing some tempo, uh, you got to get lined up and got to get your feet in the dirt. I get that. Um, but I remember seeing Omar Norman Lott with his two sacks that were drive stoppers, third down sacks, very timely sacks from Omar Norman Lott. And Elijah Hamm was the first guy over there congratulated him and fired up. And so – Ben's absolutely right. And uh, for those that may not understand what it's like to be in that position, imagine yourself in your front yard and seeing something with four legs in the distance. And you're like, is that a dog? It'll look like a dog. And then it gets closer. Like, Damn, that's a big-ass dog. <laughs> Damn, that is a big dog. Huh. And, and, but you're not moving. You're like, huh, that's a that's a big dog. I think that, maybe that's a Great Dane or something. Well, that's a big dog. And then it gets closer. And you're like, I don't know if that's a dog, man. That look like a dog to me. And it gets closer. And you're like, that is not a dog. That is a wild animal. And then you move. You run. That's what happens in football. Where... You're thinking about something, but your your feet are not moving. And that happened too many times for Elijah Heron. And let's understand something. Elijah was the backup linebacker for a reason. And he's he was thrust into a, a role that whether he was ready or not, he had to play. And he's had his bumps and his bruises, and he's had his good moments and low moments. In high moments, Florida picked on him. Mizzou picked on him too. And it just wasn't a good day for Heron as well as other dudes on this football team. But I think it's what Ben said. It's lazy to always point to effort <laughs> when a guy doesn't do their job or play with their hair on fire because when you're thinking too much, it's really hard to react and play that way. So, uh, Ben with a great point. That might have been your best radio moment of your career, Ben. Uh, well, uh, you had some good ones. But that was that was that was good. I'm glad I could uh, I could have one. No, no, you've had plenty. That was, <laughs> no, I'm, that was big. It's, it's it's like they did not finish the game well. Like I I thought they like I said earlier I thought the entire team folded when Milton and Sampson had the 
miscommunication or Joe took blame after the game and, and said that he needs to do a better job of clearing the running back. Uh, whatever caused that fumble, I thought the team folded after that fumble. I, I thought that was when the dam broke and, and everything after that was inexcusable how they finished the game. But I, I just, like, I, I don't understand how we can look at effort up until that point when, like we talked about earlier, the defense did not play well from start to finish. I mean, Missouri was moving the ball at will against the defense from from the opening kickoff, but it, it really tests the theory of bending but not breaking. Mm-hmm. It, it bent and bent and bent, and it never quite broke until that Milton and Sampson fumble. Mm-hmm. And, like, up until that point, like, you're, you're not able to bend but not break if you're not playing with effort. Because if you're not playing with effort, then you're just going to break consistently throughout the course of the football game. And they continued to give the offense uh, a chance to to hang around and and potentially strike and get really back in the football game and, and potentially give you a chance. But the offense continued to shoot itself in the foot with multiple turnovers and multiple penalties. And the, the refs did not at all have... They, they did not determine the outcome. Tennessee will, had their butts whooped by Missouri. But that, that drive where Dylan Sampson rushes inside the 10-yard line on a key third down, if I remember correctly, and then they call a holding on Jacob Warren and Square White. Were, were those the two that they, yeah, they called holding on? Yeah, two different flags. I mean, they, they show the replay, and, like, I'm struggling to see where the hold is at. Like, it, 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 it didn't look like a hold to me. And if it was a hold – Man, was it a soft call? And 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 it's like, it, and I want to say the game was nineteen seven at that point, if if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and if if those holds that were questionable at best, if if they're not called, then Tennessee's got the ball inside the ten yard line, and if they can punch it in, I mean that that's a five point game, as as the game is is really starting to to wind down. So I I just. Nothing really went their way on on Saturday. It, it was just one of those games where, where nothing clicked. And and again, not saying that changes need to be made and, and and things need to be corrected because there there are plenty of things that need to be corrected and changed. I just don't like the comparisons to Derek Dooley and Bush Jones and and, and Jeremy Pruitt. I I personally think that that is a a bit of an overreaction. There there are issues. Ben, Ben, and, Ben, that, that game, flags. that game was from Jerome Pruitt's era. Say that again. I'm sorry. That game Saturday was from the German Pruitt era. I, I, I just have a hard time associating that with Jeremy Pruitt. Um, we, we're not talking about, you know, him wearing the, the, the thing on his head. We're not talking about him sounding silly, talking about asparagus. We're talking about X's and O's, how defensively we were, we were a step slow. We were a step late. We let guys run run free. We looked unorganized. We were slow. Offensively, we couldn't muster up any points at all. We scored seven. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, okay, fair enough. I mean, I I, I was I was very befuddled yeah, as, I said as that. to why uh, adjustments were, were not being made. Um, it, it, I mean, 
I, I'm not super in depth on the X's and O's. Obviously, I did not play the sport at a high level like you did. But uh, when, when Eli Drinkwitz is saying in his post game that uh, a grad assistant or a quality control coach, not an on the field coach, but but a support staff member, is identifying something on tape that they feel like can be successful to, to slow down Tennessee's running game and an off the field coach implements that helps implement a, a game plan to, to slow down Tennessee's rushing attack and, and, and no adjustments uh, are made. And, and you hear the, the likes of, of Cole Kublik talking about how Tim Banks is over aggressive nature kind of bit him in the butt on Saturday uh, because of what Missouri runs with its running scheme and, and how that feeds into an aggressive defense and, and how no adjustments were, were, were made to, to that. Yes, that was befuddling and, and very frustrating for yeah, sure. That's why it points to Jerome Pruitt here. When on both sides of the football, it, it looks like we don't know what we're doing. We don't have an answer. We're still slow. We're not making the plays. That's what I mean. Nothing else. Fair enough. Yeah. 865-255-03. Let's get back to the phones. Good morning. I don't have to be a chef to know the food sucks. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> you do not. I I may not have to be a, a, a high-level college athlete, but I can tell when a team looks like it's quitting. Yeah, I, I still don't think I, – I won't say they – they quit. I, I'll say they got punched in the mouth and just late in that game, and um, you know knocked a lot of win out of them. But I, I thought they played hard up to that point. They just they played slow. They didn't react. Uh, they were they didn't oh. play with fire. But like quitting looks a whole lot worse than what we saw on Saturday. Not by much, especially when you only scored seven points and that was your first drive. Yeah, but I'm sorry, also. I just don't think the team. I don't think the team quit. I mean, quitting would be not running hard at all when you when you finally diagnose the play, just not running hard. And I saw a lot yeah. of Heron diagnosing late, being out of position, but yeah. still running hard. That's not quitting. Well, I mean, doesn't that add to another problem of how, how many young guys have they actually put in there to get ready for these games? In case uh, something happened. Well, T. 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 Lander was in there. Um, who's the other backer? Uh, I mean, it's Jeremiah T. Lander or Caleb Perry. Perry yeah, Perry was in out. there. And then remember, you, Arian Carter's hurt. And then, yeah, I knew that. And then Keelan Peely is hurt. So you got two linebackers who are out for the season now. Well, no, no, let me take that back. Keelan Peely not officially out for the season, but has missed this season. So far, I think uh, Arian Carter is out for the season, but they've missed significant time, and Carter would have played if he was not hurt. Right, right. Let me ask you something that's been consistent with Heifel's tenure here. Why do we have so much trouble getting up off the mat at half, if we're down at halftime? I don't know, man. <clears throat> I don't know the answer. We're one, what is it? We're 1 in 10 when we're trailing? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that answer. I mean, is it a philosophy thing? I mean, is it a, you know, I hate to say it, but is it a front runner thing? What is it? Yeah. I mean, I think it points to, to, you know, the front runner uh, narrative, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. 
And uh, I think it's going to be Hypo's responsibility during the offseason to put his finger on it and identify it and fix it because it, 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 it it's not just a blip on the radar. Something has, ha- has happened a couple times. So uh, he has to yep. make that adjustment. And uh, he has to evolve. His program has to evolve. Uh, I think a lot of people, and we should be really grateful about where we are uh, as a program, but still be upset about what we saw on Saturday. Because you can do both. Yeah. Two I, things can be true. I mean, I, you know, what happened sucked. And I'm not going to go so far as to compare it to Pruitt or Butch or anything. But at the same time, you know, I'm not going to base this coach's performance on the fact that he's doing better than the other idiots. No. I'm, no, 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 no. But what, what Hypo did in year two doesn't really happen a lot. And what Hypo did in year two was supposed to be what he's doing this year. Like it's it's that natural progression that we normally see, but Hypo basically flipped year two and year three. And so, yeah, like it was bad, but what he did in year one was remarkable with three, almost 30 guys leaving. And then the, the second year, having a team ranked number one in the country. Like that's, 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 that's pretty remarkable. Like that's, that's freaking awesome that he was able to do that. But now he has to continue to grow and take steps forward and and, and evolve. And just because he did those things in the first two years, doesn't mean you are absolved from criticism after a game like Saturday, you're still going to get it, still deserve it. But that doesn't mean folks need to, Try to fire every coach that's, that's over there now because of no, and because that's of the that. dumbest yeah. thing in the world is yeah. people talking about wanting to fire high. Just shut up. That's stupid. Just stop. Yeah, that's stupid. And and well, guys, I, at least uh, hopefully we'll have Vandy to beat up on. See you, boys. That's right. Yeah, and 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 the overreaction is where my annoyance comes from, um, and. and why I made the point earlier uh, about this being a a g- really good Missouri team, not not the Missouri team that we've become accustomed to the the last couple of years, and and like I I don't think you're wrong, Swain. It just feels wrong to compare it to the Pruitt era because you think uh, because everybody you, you're thinking about all the other stuff, and it's 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 not about yeah. recruiting. It's not about him sounding goofy. It's not about his facial expressions doing the Jeremy Pruitt show when he's doing it with Bob Kesselin. It ain't about none of that. It's about X's and O's between the white lines of the defense being unprepared, a step slow, not making plays, and then offensively doing the exact same thing. And that's what happened simultaneously together in one game on Saturday for um, the second time this year. First time was against Florida. That's 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 all I'm talking about. X's and O's, yeah. nothing else. Yeah, and and that's why I said fair enough. I yeah. I I. I completely understand what you were saying it, it just still feels weird um but I, I totally get where you're coming from uh for, for sure but that that like me with that in Missouri being better than typical and, and the the effort stuff like it, it's just it's never as good as it seems and it's never as bad as it seems it, it's not and to it, it's like earlier there's some pushback for, for, for me saying that this football team is, is average. And, and, and like, I get it. Like they, they're going to end up eight and four and, and that's not typically an, an average 
record, but like they haven't beaten anybody. I'm sorry. Like that factors into me thinking that, that they're average. I, I recognize what the record is going to end up being most likely. And, and I recognize the numbers look good here and there, but like you haven't beaten anybody. And, and, and the good teams that you've played to this point, Alabama and, and Missouri, you pee down your leg. And, and in another game against a bad football team against Florida, you pee down your leg even worse. So, like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I'm I'm not going to be as willing to to say, oh, they're above average when, like, you, you haven't beaten anybody good to, to this point in, in the season. But – so even though I got that pushback, like they're still going to end up eight and four. So like, did they get to eight and four because Josh Heupel is lackadaisical and doesn't show enough fire or because they, they don't play with effort or, or all these things like they're, they're still in somewhat of a healthy spot. If, if they're even able to get to that record. Yeah. So I, like, I understand the overreaction saying, is just a bit much. Yeah. I understand saying, I understand the notion that, that they haven't beaten anybody when you look at the, lack of the small number next to their name, but they've beaten average teams because A&M is average at six and four, one game above 500 in the conference. Uh, Kentucky is six and four, a game under 500. They normally don't play Alabama, what they did this year, and my goodness. Um, I feel like Tennessee beat average teams who are really average, Tennessee is slightly a you know above above average. Um, that's how I would look at Tennessee. I think they're above average, not great, inconsistent, better than average. Maybe good when they want to be, but I'm not willing to say good. I would say above average right now. There, there's certainly plenty of issues to to address uh, this all season. There's no doubt about that. Um, if if they want to get over the hump and consistently compete for championships year in, year out, I mean, they, they have to, the, the pre-snap penalties, or not even just pre-snap penalties, penalties in general, that, that's something that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Uh, the, the road woes, that, that needs to be uh, addressed. And, and I do, like I talked about earlier, I do think that there's an aspect to, continuing to improve the roster and then that will help those issues. Um, but we, we've seen those issues pop up at UCF, even when, when his, his program was, was established there as, as well. So it, it seems like it's something that needs to be uh, addressed. And, and and speaking of addressing things, Jennifer Morris can help you address your real estate needs. If you are in the market looking to buy, sell, do whatever you want to do. Uh, she has helped me and my family get the ball rolling on selling the house that I am currently in and finding a house with more space for my growing family. Uh, she put me in touch with a great mortgage lender to, to help me get that, that process rolling. Uh, and she can do the same for you. She has great resources. She is the best and, and she can help you accomplish whatever you want to accomplish in real estate. So reach out to Jennifer Morris of Keller Williams Realty. She will not let you down like this Tennessee football team let you down on Saturday. Oh, it hurt. It hurt. She's she's the Dalton Connect of real estate agents in East Tennessee. And in Knoxville especially. It hurt. It hurt. Mike from Conyers on the Betty Chevrolet text box, BettyChevrolet.com. My main concern with the play call on Saturday was with 
when Missouri was taking away the run and we were having quite a bit of success through the air, it seemed like we kept trying to force the run uh, when we could have taken what was working in the passing game. Milton was extremely sharp for most of the game until late uh, when it was just about out of reach. I felt like a game where Milton could have won it with his arm if we had just turned him loose. Um. Milton wasn't where he needed to be throwing the football in, in, in that football game, but no Brew McCoy. You lose Thornton during the game. You're looking around, and you're like, who's going to take over? Who has, who has the ability to take over? We've, we haven't seen Romel take over a game. We've seen him be a good um, complement to other guys who are number one receivers. We couldn't connect with Squirrel. We threw, we threw too many balls over Squirrel's head. Um, we have to address the receiver room with, with depth during, during the off season, for sure. Uh, we got, we got to get in the portal and, and get a really good player experience. We got to continue to get dudes from high school level. Um, you know, we have a system that is great for the top two or three receivers because you're going to play a lot, but the other guys are not going to play. And we saw last year, multiple receivers hit the transfer portal. And when you have that happen, and then the following year you have significant injuries, you're going you're gonna to feel that. And I think that's what we're feeling right now. You can't plan – you can't necessarily um, – I won't say plan for injuries because you should plan for injuries, but you can't control injuries. Like, this stuff just happens. But you can plan for them and um, – Joe should have had some better weapons around him at Missouri game, but because of injuries, because of guys hitting the portal, um, I think he liked playmakers on the outside with the experience. Because you only had two guys with some experience, and one of them played a little bit last year. So really it was one guy with experience at the wide receiver position Saturday. And that was Romel Keaton. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot of thoughts about the defensive adjustments. I mean, it, what defense wasn't good. I don't have any positive thoughts about anything we did defensively. The, the game Saturday was the worst loss to me because Cody Schrader looked like Alvin Kamara against Tennessee. Then Alvin Kamara looked at Tennessee. This man, no wiggle, and I'm not saying this to, to to like take away from his performance, but no wiggle, runs hard as all get out, nice hands, one cut downhill. It wasn't like he was shaking dudes out of his shoes like 
Dexter McCluster. Like, I understand getting worked by Devin McCluster. I understand getting worked by Percy Harvin. I understand getting worked by, by you know, Todd Gurley, Cadillac Williams. Like, I understand. Just one cut and go. Dude, hit the record books, man. And the SEC. Like, think about all the SEC running backs we've seen over the years. Record books. That's that's what made that 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 performance defensively so tough. Yeah, like Cody Schrader is like the real deal. Like he's really good. He he's done that to a lot of teams this year, and I think he's going to play in the NFL. Um, but it's it's the fact that do, do what to a lot of teams. Cody Schrader is really good. What are we talking about? You said he did that to a lot of teams. He has never done what he did to us against a lot of teams. He has played well against a lot of teams. And as I was about to say, the the problem is that you allowed him to rush for 200 and and catch over 100 and total 300 yards. And I mean, he was he he was he's the first player in SEC history to rush for 200 and have 100 receiving yards like that. That's that's way too much. Like, again, Cody Schrader. My point was Cody Schrader is legitimately good and has had success against everybody this year. But. It's the fact that you allowed him to have that type of success, a record-setting day, which is the same thing that you were saying. Like, he, he he's talented, but he shouldn't be having 300 total yards against you, especially when all year long you've been hyping up your run defense, and that's kind of been the strength of your defense. A record-setting day for Cody Schrader should not happen, even if he is talented, and I think he's going to play in the NFL. Like, he's he still shouldn't have gone off as much as he did. Okay. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with you. Because, I mean, I'm looking at his numbers. His numbers right there with Jalen Wright before the game because they were I mean, right at the top of the SEC uh, rushing board. But, I mean, he had a 138-yard game against South Dakota, uh, 123 against Memphis, 114 against LSU, 159 against South Carolina, 112 against Georgia. But he had a couple games in there where he did not get 100. One, two, three, four games where he didn't get 100. And so, like, I look at Jalen Wright's numbers, who rotates with more running backs. Cody Schrader rotated with nobody until, like, the end of the game. Um, and, you know, wasn't hitting 100 yards. So, he he's good, but he he no Todd Gurley. He, no, I mean, no he, no running back should be doing what Cody Schrader did. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. To, yeah, we're on the same page. I just, boy, you had, man, you made me. Had to stop and do a double take. I didn't know what you was trying to say. It made me nervous. Well, I mean, Cody Schrader is really good. I mean, I'd love to have him on my football team. He is really good. I ain't no, no, no disagreements with that. But the him, Ray Davis, and Jalen Wright are the three best backs in the SEC this year. Ooh, I still like the back from Ole Miss, but I feel what you're saying. Yeah, he he got off to a slow start because he was banged up to start the year, but he's really started to pick it up. He he looked good early on in that Georgia game this past weekend. Quinshawn Judkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Hey, Georgia six, started to pick it up with some of their backs, Dejon yeah. Edwards and uh, Kendall Milton. He Kendall Milton re- looked really good uh, against Ole Miss this past weekend, just in time for Tennessee. Yeah, he turning it up. All right, let's go back to the phones uh, quickly. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Who are we speaking with today? Daytona. Daytona, what's up, man? Not a not 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 a whole lot. Hey, uh, you know we got beat by the Great White Hope. He 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 was white. 
You know, that dude, <clears throat> I liked him. I mean, I didn't like what he did to us. But he was playing against schools like Maryville College last year. No, nah, he was on the school. He was on Missouri team last year. Well, okay, the year before. Yeah, before that, he was at what Truman. Yeah, like what? What? What was that? A Division two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was it was sad, guys. It's you know, it's 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 so hard. I had such high expectations for this team this year because I really thought Joe was going to come out and play better. Uh. You know, he's he's a guy like he can throw a hundred mile an hour fastball, but if you can't throw a hundred mile an hour fastball in the strike zone, that hundred mile an hour fastball doesn't do you any good. He he, he has not found the touch. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I I hate I hate to be negative, uh, but I mean they're they're leaving a sour taste in the mouth. What do you think? Offensive coordinator out, and uh, two other things real quick, and then I'll clear the line. Oh. Ben, how about our Steelers? Offensive coordinator. And uh, uh, <clears throat> Mr. Swain, y'all still playing football in Chicago? You said offensive coordinator out. Who? I said, I said should the offensive coordinator be out? Who? Heupel? He's not our offensive coordinator. Shh. He called a play. Hype's the one calling plays. Hype called the plays. Is he calling the plays? Okay. Okay. I didn't realize he was calling the plays. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he called plays, man. But uh yeah, don't don't uh don't forget to comment on that uh are you playing football in Chicago there, Swain? And no. man, I'm happy for I'm happy for that listener that is a Lions fan. Boy, is he having a year, huh? Oh uh, yeah, triple O. Gee, I'm happy for him, man. Lions <laughs> Lions look good. They they should be the second favorite, third favorite in the NFC right now. They should be third favorite. And, and they're more than capable of going to the Super Bowl. They're really good. Fun to watch. Oh, yeah, they, look, they look good. Yep. They Fun to watch. Good. Okay, gents, I'll talk to you later. All right, see you, Dave. Tona. I saw the Bears win on Thursday night in person. I saw the game, too. I'm glad I didn't see it in person. It looked ugly. It, it it was it was something and buddy i've never been in a crowd like that crowd and not that it was loud it was actually very quiet at soldier field by uh football environment standards but it was just like one absurd thing happening and happening in the stands after the next i i i i mean i was for three hours i was just like what universe you scared? am I in right now? Were you scared? No, I wasn't scared. It wasn't nothing like that. But it was like uh, a, a fight breaking out b- before the game in the section next to us. And it, it was – there, there's some interesting things going on throughout the course of, of that football game oh, yeah. in the stands that oh, I, I – it was wild. I don't even want but to. I did see the Bears win win with my own two eyes. I, I did see it. Yeah, you must have been good luck then, I guess. I have good luck sometimes. Depends on who you ask. I'm sure everybody's mad at me for my uh I, I wasn't harsh enough today on, on a couple of different topics. I'm I'm sure everybody's upset with me and tired of listening to me. No, I thought you was pretty fair. 
Uh, mental illness can dictate every aspect of your life, making you feel like things are, are, are helpless. Uh, the weight is too heavy sometimes to bear. The stress is too heavy right now. Find an outlet. Find help. Mindbodyknoxville.com. Go to the website. Schedule a mental wellness assessment. Uh, they are there to to help. They are affordable, accessible, and available. They can design a plan to benefit your mental health care at mindbodyknoxville.com. Yeah, I, I knew we had to go a little bit over today, man, um, because of what transpired on Saturday and basketball team played play today. Uh, this will be the last home game for about three weeks. This team deserves all the attention. Dog Connect is he's the real deal. Um, just just tune in, tune in tonight and enjoy this quickly. team. And we'll talk about it on Thursday more. Go ahead. Quickly, man. do you do you uh, do you think that this team is a legitimate national title contender? Yeah, 100%. I know it's early, four games, or I guess two regular season games and two exhibitions, but. Yeah. The, the the small sample size you you think this team's a, a legitimate national title contender yeah yeah 100%. yeah they they deserve to be it'll be a fun topic to to revisit at, at the end of the month after they play in Maui next week they'll play Syracuse on Monday and then they'll play either Purdue or Gonzaga which will be a really nice test on, on Tuesday and then they'll play a third game on Wednesday and then the following week uh, they they play at North Carolina on, on Wednesday, November 29th. So be a fun topic to revisit at the end of the month. But the early returns, it sure does feel like they're a national title contender, a true national title contender. Yeah, 100%, man. This team deserves to be um, talked about the, the way they are. They're deep, they're talented, they're experienced. Uh, defense is always going to show up. You got more shot making. You got more ability to create off the dribble. You got a closer and, and connect. Saddle up. Let's go. Let me tell y'all something right now. They're going to lose games. Okay. <laughs> like, I, I need for some of y'all to just hear me clearly here. This is basketball. You can't apply your football beliefs to basketball. They're going to lose some games. They're going to be some games. They might not even look like the number one team in the country. They may not even look like a top 10 team. You know how baseball is sometimes? I mean, the team, a game right here don't look good and the bats are just not hot. That happens in basketball where the other team is just making shots out of their butt. It happens when it happens. Don't fire Rick Barnes. Don't be calling players out of their name. Just understand that it's about the backside of the schedule, the backside of the conference play schedule, that's what it's about. So just give you a heads up now. That's all I'm saying. Stop laughing, man, because you know it's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's true, man. Oh, I, I know it's coming. But yeah. uh, it, it, it's going to be a really fun basketball season. I, I, w- I would be surprised if if it just spirals out of control and, and, and doesn't end up being what it, it looks like it will be in at least some form. Oh man, I feel better though. I, I 
my reaction to the football game is delayed a little bit because of, um, you know, what I do, um, being so close and I was numb and I'm in the moment making sure that I, I, I'm doing my job properly. Um, during the game, I was disgusted, but like I got a chance to talk to a veteran and, um, it just changed my whole entire perspective at that moment. And um, I got home around 10-something on Saturday. Um, I just kind of disconnected. Sunday, I do what I normally do on Sunday, which is just, man, just family, family time. And um, to about 4 or 5 o'clock, then I started watching that film. And then when I watched the film, I had the reaction that everybody else started having. Um, but obviously it's going to be a little bit different because of, of, of the perspective that I, that I have that may be different than others. So, oh, I was pissed. And everyone should be upset about it. Um, but this is an opportunity this weekend to kind of see what these guys are made of. Um, should not be underdog i mean should not be favored should be the uh, huge underdog not many people are going to pick tennessee and um you shouldn't pick tennessee based on how they played last week and how georgia's been playing this season but uh, you're playing at home and you still have an opportunity with a, a pass rush that's played better at home so college football is crazy it's weird we've seen crazier things happen in this sport and uh, I want to see how we come out and play, man. It's, it's, it's the second to the last home game. It's the second to the last regular season game. And three more games and the season's over. So we'll be locked in, tune in, covering mm-hmm. it, watching it. And, and hopefully Tennessee is able to handle some business. Absolutely. On, on the way out the door for me, my last thought, uh, speaking of Veterans Day, uh, a belated happy Veterans Day to, to everybody uh, listening who served uh, the, the great men and women of our country. We we greatly appreciate you and, and thank you for, for your service and, and everything that you've sacrificed uh, for our freedom. And definitely want to give a shout out to my dad, 23 years in the Army. Greatly appreciate him. Uh, wouldn't be who I am or where I am today w- w- without him and uh, what he was able to provide me through his service. So uh, thank you to, to all the great men and women out there, especially those listening to our show that uh, served our great country. You, you are the true heroes of this country. Love it. Love it. Thursday. We will have more Tennessee basketball talk. So just get ready. Of course, we're going to talk Tennessee football. We understand what time it is around here, but more basketball talk is on the way and should have talked more about it today, but we're out of time. Uh, big thanks to everyone on the text box, the Bay Chevrolet text box. Uh, the, our podcast will be posted momentarily. Wherever you get podcasts, it will be right there for you. That is also brought to you by Beatty Chevrolet and BeattyChevrolet.com. I called Hiller. I have an appointment with Hiller from my home to make sure everything is in order. Right now, Hiller has an amazing special. And I'm telling you, this today and tomorrow is the last day of this special. 
And so, right now, right now, there's not a better time to replace than to replace your HVAC uh, system. Get up to $2,600 off a new system until November the 15th. That is tomorrow. It's the biggest discount Hiller has had in years. Go to the website, happyhiller.com for more information. Quick, easy, convenient online booking. That's what I did. I booked an appointment from my phone yesterday from Hiller. So really easy. More details, happyhiller.com. For Ben McKee, I'm Jason Swain. Hope everyone has a wonderful rest of your day. Same time, Thursday morning, 8 p.m. Peace and much love. We are out. Swain event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue.